0: B F F T from the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights,
1: Here's John Canzano with a bald faced truth. You've heard of the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics. Uh, the CEO of the Knight Commission is Amy Perko. She's a former college basketball player. Uh, you played. You played at Wake Forest, correct? I did march madness is coming along your juices have to get going
0: absolutely i this time of year is always exciting you know having played in the acc tournament uh, myself and and had great memories of those days so i'm just like any fan this time of year love uh, love march and all the great basketball we get to see
1: you are uh, underselling yourself wake forest hall of famer amy Perko is our <laughs> guest uh did you grow up like in the driveway playing hoops who were your influences
0: Absolutely, I, I grew up uh, shooting on my driveway goal, and um, you know, really always uh, dreamed of playing at Wake Forest. My my father had gone to Wake Forest, and and grew up uh, really one of the role models was Skip Brown. He was a great player at, at Wake Forest, so uh, he was my imaginary teammate many many games on the. Um, on the goal there in the in the driveway and and um you know it's one of those cool things as a kid when you practice shooting last second shots and and my junior year at Lake forest i hit a last second shot in the acc tournament um and so that's that's one of the great memories i have
1: love that and uh, certainly you, you have to look now at the opportunities i have three daughters and i'm looking at the opportunities for women in professional sports and really seeing some positive things happening there but Yesterday, Charlie Baker took over as the new NCAA president. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about how the Knight Commission can work with the NCAA or what role it plays. Let's start there for people who don't know what the Knight Commission does or or aims to do. Uh, how do you what do you tell people when they ask that?
0: Yeah, we are an independent think tank. We're funded by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, and we have a legacy of influencing. Um, NCAA policies and institutional practices that really put the focus on college athletes' education, health, safety, and success. One of the um, recommendations we made uh, more than a decade ago now that the NCAA adopted and that really relates uh, well to March Madness is that in order to be eligible for March Madness, teams have to be on track to graduate at least half their players. And that was a policy that originated with, with our research and, and our uh, policy design.
1: You know, I, when I start thinking about things that are important to to both programs and, and fans, uh, name image likeness, NIL, it feels like the Wild West. What What is the Knight Commission's stance on NIL and how, how can you help?
0: Yeah, great question. Uh, just a little history in terms of. Being an independent think tank, uh, we try to, you know, see what issues are coming. And and we actually held the first-ever national conversation and invited athletes uh, to the table in 2008, a long time ago before this ever became reality. And at that time, the issues were really just around video games and and the avatars that were starting to look an awful lot like the actual players. So it's certainly an issue that we followed for a long time, we did put out principles that we hoped the NCA would adopt back in April 2020. Um, that that were really framed around allowing athletes, just like any other student, to have the opportunity to um, be compensated for the use of their name, image, likeness. We our our principles would have um, provided more guardrails than what currently exists. And and there was an NCA task force that had similar. Um, uh, thoughts as ours. Unfortunately, the NCAA uh, decided not to act when it could have been really ahead of of what ultimately happened with state laws being passed that that pushed the NCAA into a reactive mode. Um, and so, you know, again, there, it is chaotic. Uh, it's very clear that the uh, the basic prohibition that's out there that that um, NIL should not be used as a recruiting inducement is being violated and, and openly violated. So it's still, you know, an open question in terms of whether the NCAA will actually enforce its, its fundamental rule, and we, we hope that they will.
1: I keep hearing from athletic directors in particular that, hey, they need congressional intervention. Is that the solution, or should, does the NCAA have the ability to come in and, and be more effective?
0: Um, well, our, our our belief is that they, they do have the ability to enforce their prohibition on that it cannot be used as a recruiting inducement. There's there's not any state law that, that allows that. Um, so they've just been reluctant and risk-averse at this point. Um, but, you know, we'll see. They, they have put out some new guidelines and said they're going to start enforcing it. Um, so we'll see, and, and I think you know. Again, if if at some point you're going to, the NCA will be sued again, and at some point you have to um, be willing to to do that and to stand on principle. And then if and then if the NCA loses they will have more of a case to get help from Congress. But, but again, in the big picture of uh, NIL and other things, we think there's so many things the NCAA can can do without an act of Congress, and it needs to show that that it's ready to provide that leadership to do it.
1: Amy Perko is our guest. She is the CEO of the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics. Let me ask you just in general with you know what will be, I guess, a new – era of ncaa charlie baker coming in did did it raise eyebrows that they went with a lawmaker or a politician or it, it seems to be a a diversion from the normal campus uh you know emmert era presidency
0: well um i you know i think it's a real positive to have a fresh perspective uh, and and someone who's not only been involved in politics but just as a leader of, of complex organizations and and someone who has background as a as a college athlete, um, but but clearly the the presidents um, uh, who hired Charlie Baker on, on the board of governors um, feel that you know the top priority for the NCAA is to work um, you know with Congress to try to receive some uh, legislative solutions uh for the challenges
1: ahead the, you know I, I want to ask you about the playoff the college football playoff it's independently managed but the members of the ncaa get to sit behind that shield that legal shield of the ncaa's protection fbs mm-hmm. football a yeah, lot of money in that playoff the ncaa gets none of it uh how what's the night commission's stance on that
0: Yeah, thanks for asking the question because that is uh, an issue we've been talking about for some time, and and it's we have found that that is probably the most misunderstood um, fact in all of college sports, misunderstood by fans and, frankly, misunderstood by university presidents and lawmakers. Um, The NCA receives zero in revenues from FBS football. The NCA's money. Is made through the basketball tournaments, um, and it distributes that money back to the schools. Um, we're looking at with the with the CFP, and yet, despite that, that the the college football playoff is outside the NCAA. The NCAA still pays for all the legal services for FBS football and all of it's significant national services, um, and the college football playoff with its expansion, it's gonna generate two billion in annual revenues in just uh, several years. That, that amount of annual revenues from that uh, football playoff is gonna soar past what the NCAA generates. Um, so our position has been, um, you know, college football has done a lot of great things um, with, with um, its popularity, uh, the opportunity it provides, but it's time to to provide some accountability for those revenues and to better align the structure so that the revenue is actually coupled with the expense, which is frankly just common sense uh, business management practices.
1: Yeah, and I, I people have always asked me about the money from the playoff, and they, I think they assume it's the same as the basketball tournament, but it is a it is a very different model there. And I always will hear people. Say, hey! Look at all the money the NCAA is making, I, and not in football. Um, you also, uh, you know, have talked a lot. I think in recent weeks about gender and racial in- inequities in March Madness when it comes to the distribution of that that NCAA tournament revenue. What What do you mean there?
0: Um, so, the, so the NCAA March Madness um, does generate a billion dollars a year. Um, and, and actually, a couple things there. Uh, let me point out some good that that money. Provides championship opportunities for in over 90, 90 championships in lots of different sports, including uh, division two football and division three football. Those championships are provided through March Madness money, but the NCAA sends uh, about six hundred million dollars um, back to the division one schools uh, through that uh, those revenues, and a significant portion, about one hundred and seventy million every year is rewarded to schools and conferences based on the performance just of their men's basketball teams. And the bottom line is for a, a nonprofit, um, higher education, athletics-related association um, that, that has it as its constitutional principle that it will operate in a gender-equitable way. Um, the NCAA is violating that constitutional principle by, by rewarding athletic performance only in a men's sport. So there, there's two simple solutions. Uh, they, they need to change the revenue distribution, so they also reward performance in women's sports as well, um, or they just do away with the athletic performance rewards. So again, it's a, it's a solution and recommendation we made uh, back in 2021 and the NCAA had hired at that time, as you might recall, there were some pretty glaring inequities in their March Madness tournaments. And they hired a law firm to, to uh, give them their own assessment. And the law firm also um, you know, concurred with, with what we've been saying is that the NCAA needs to change its revenue distribution um, to eliminate and correct that gender inequity. It's
1: fascinating to me—a billion dollars in basketball, nothing from the college football playoff. I mean, it, it just—it seems like uh, the universities and the conferences went, "Hey, we need to make money, and we don't need to include the NCAA in this." And but yet they—they they hide behind the shield of the NCAA all the time. Uh, we're talking with Amy Perko. She's the CEO of the Knight Commission, um, the governing board of the NCAA. Uh, conflicts of interest, uh, athlete and. Ho- health and safety issues. How do you fix the overall governance of the NCAA?
0: Well, one of the basic uh, solutions that, that we feel uh, should be done is to have independent directors on the Division I Policymaking Board. Um, and, you know, just why, why, that, why is that important? Because, again, the policies and the way the money is distributed, uh, the policies around the NIL, you know, the policies that impact athletes, there, there needs to be more of an athlete voice, number one, on that board. Um, and right now there is one student athlete on the board. It's primarily university presidents. Um, and, and they, you know, they vote. With their institution and conference self-interest, so we have recommended that there be at least one independent director that's an expert on health and safety issues; that there be more athlete voice, and that that those athlete voices also uh, represent gender equity across the board, um, and that there also be some other independent directors. Um, so again, to eliminate that, um, what what we've seen as. The, the governing board that kind of clings to the status quo and protects um, protects the conference and the Power 5 interest. So we think, you know, just like it's a common practice with uh, university boards having independent directors, the NCA Division One board should also have independent directors.
1: Amy, I really appreciate what you guys are doing um, and the oversight that you, and the recommendations you have provided. Um, I also want to remind our listeners, we're talking to a four-year starter at Wake Forest, hall of famer at Wake Forest. You also worked as a associate AD at Kansas. I got to ask you, we have a lot of Pac-12 listeners. What you make of expansion realignment? What you think about the chaos of the last 6 months?
0: Well, just a, an overall takeaway and, you know, the realignment has been going on for some time and, you know, what what really what what's happened with realignment is the conferences have realigned to to make their media contract more lucrative around really the sport of FBS football and that that media footprint for FBS football. And again, it goes back to what, what may be in the best interest of that particular sport and that what may work for that sport may not be in the best interest for all the other sports. So. You know, there 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 are certainly some institutions where it's worked out very well for for all the sports, but it's unfortunate that we've kind of built built a box and a model that you know may work well for one, but not not be the best for others. But that's that's unfortunately where where we are, and so we've been looking for you know different solutions that. We'll, we'll work in the best interest of, of providing, you know, just a great opportunity for student athletes regardless of sport. And so, you know, looking in the future, there may be, uh, you know, a different model where where uh, conferences and an association, um, like we, we've proposed that FBS football have its own governing entity. And and if it did that, then the NCA controls all the other sports. You wouldn't necessarily have to have um, some of the multi-sport conference uh, alignments that that you currently have, and that frankly may not be in the best interest of all the other sports.
1: You graduated from college in the '80s. I have to ask you: you know, WNBA exists at that time. You're a draft pick in that in that league. You know what did you think when, you know, you see players and you see today's game with Sabrina Unescu, you know, A lot of people in our region root for her and and the health of that league.
0: Well, it's, it's been great just seeing the growth of um, women's sports across the board and, and the WNBA, the, the soccer league, and just the popularity of, um, you know, all, all of those, um, you know, opportunities that didn't exist when, when I played and, and just the impact that that has. So it's, it's just been, you know, again, I, I have um, – we have daughters, and, you know, seeing them grow up and see how they – you know have been able to see have more opportunities it has just been wonderful and and we want to you know what college sports provides all of these opportunities uh with again all the money we've been talking about that's coming in we want to see that going to you know the collective good of what college sports can bring to to so many young men and women and and what it also brings for university um, what what we fear, you know, happening is is less emphasis on broad based opportunities and and you know sports that, that aren't the high profile uh, media sports, but but those sports are important as well to to the entire um, you know ecosystem and, and opportunity and all the things all the, all the good things that we think sport provides.
1: Amy Perco, CEO of the Knight Commission. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you.
0: Thank you. There she is, CEO of the Night
1: Commission. Coming up, Anna is going to pop into the studio later in the show, John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News. Plus, I'll talk about Dee Uyunglele and Bo Nix. Compare them. Who has uh, more reason to be excited this college football season? Duck fan, beaver fan. Leave it here.